0: Thank you for joining us for an episode of Insecurity Theater, the show where we discuss transnational crime and political intrigue, brought to you through the cooperation of an international panel of experts. For more information or to get in touch, find us at analyticasecura.com or on your social media platform of choice. Without any further delay, enjoy the show.
1: Can, can we just put a big yeah. disclaimer at the start of this, saying that none of, the, none of these theories represent any of our views?
2: Well, I don't know where I don't know where conspiracy theories come from. I just want to discuss things that I've seen in the news that um, are of some particular interest to me, and I want to see what other people have to say about them. Basically,
1: well, so then Conrad told me to specifically look at conspiracy theory. So,
2: yeah, well, from for what I've got from uh, Communicate with Conrad about this uh, this podcast or these recordings is that he doesn't listen to anyone. <laughs>
1: I'm surprised it's only taking the podcast to figure that
0: out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but we can... Um, I, I would I would be totally comfortable uh, running through and talking about some of these conspiracy theories without necessarily endorsing them ourselves.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, most definitely. I think the most important part about this, uh, this uh, discussion that I want to have is maybe more about disinformation rather than conspiracy theories.
1: Okay.
2: Something along those lines. Sharp
1: power, man. Sharp power, yep. Yeah.
0: I think that's going to be um, a good way to look at it. And certainly the way that uh, the accessibility of alternative media has grown over time, we only yeah. have more and more information that we have to pick through to check for quality and, and logic.
2: Well, yeah, but um, well, hang on. Are we starting? Is this, is this it? Yeah, this, we can start. All right, well, let's start then. We've got an intro, a little intro song or something.
0: Uh, I'll put that in, in post. Don't worry about that.
2: Put
1: the spark ringtone <laughs> <wind> in. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, well, this, what you're saying, Conrad, is basically why I thought of this, because uh, I came across this guy, K. Chris, or whatever he calls himself on, on YouTube, um, an amateur Chinese journalist who went to Wuhan in late February, just to see what the, the action light was really on the ground. Um, and then he disappeared for about a month. So he, I went through his videos and he recorded himself going into Wuhan. He said he got chased by police. Um, he discovered a load of stuff, like a very active crematorium. He um, said he discovered um, overworked hospital, work, hospital workers that were undersupplied, quarantine zones that weren't getting sterilized, um, and a load of harassment on the way. And he also got chased by secret police and then his um, his apartment got raided and he got taken away. Um, now after this, I think two weeks ago or something like this, he posted a video saying uh, I'm safe, I'm well the Chinese have been looking after me really well long live China, greatest country in the world um, they were never doing anything to harm me stuff along, along these lines um, and didn't say anything about what he discovered in Wuhan or anything like that Obviously, making the suggestion that he was like uh, taken away, put in some kind of camp, threatened that if anything else came out of this, um, the the consequences would be lots more severe next time. So that's that's what I got, and that's what also something along the same lines that the, the BBC got out of this,
1: like 1984, essentially. Essentially, like 1984. Yeah, N- not not but... to ruin the plot of that, but.
2: Conrad will have only seen the trailer, and that is just the, the line that's killed the movie through.
0: I read the prequel. in <laughs>
1: 1983. Yeah,
0: that was, that was it. Um, so, I mean, I think that we got to start by talking about conflicting official accounts. Because, mm. you know, there are official narratives, certainly coming from China and coming from other major players in the international sphere that conflict with one another. Mm-hmm. The Chinese story, as far as I'm familiar with it, as of right now, is that there were a limited number of infected and dead, that their quarantine procedures were totally uh, effective to prevent the spread of the virus beyond that group, and that they have relaxed the uh, quarantine in and around uh, the region of that contains Wuhan. And now they have had, uh, there. there is no viral activity. They've won. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you guys consider that to be uh, highly illogical or completely impossible?
2: Um, before we get Jimbo's answer, um, according to the reporters without borders, China sits 177 on a list of 179, nicely in between um, Djibouti and Eritrea and just above Turkmenistan and North Korea. Number fourth from the bottom of the list. Somalia sits at 163, a failed state. That, that's just uh, a bit of knowledge. So, this, so just, that's a bit of background This is the, the, the um, Freedom of Press ah. Index done by the Reporters Without Borders. Rui sans saint I guess. Um, so before Jimbo answers, here's, uh, I just wanted to drop that in. James.
1: Um... I think there's some truth to it in the sense that I think China was quite effective at containing it to one region Um, in that it was contained in Hubei and Wuhan more specifically. And then from there they were able to sort of ship in medical supplies, nurses, equipment into the region and then sort of deal with the virus in that, uh, in that region. And I think it's safe to say that it didn't escape widely within China. the rest of China, but
2: see, but th- they declared a lockdown right after Chinese New Year. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody can move in any, like, people stand in traffic lines for, for eight, nine hours trying to get from city to city. So, if that existed in Wuhan in December, then that's what a, a, another month almost, three, four weeks mm-hmm. um, until they actually closed everything down. And this morning, the French said that they potentially had their first case in December, late December, because they're now going back over old case files in the the hospitals and declaring deaths, which were pneumonia or strange chest pains and stuff like this, that now look irregular and matching them up to COVID-19. Yeah. So to me, that doesn't hold up.
1: I think China had a, a very effective context tracing program. Uh, because mm-hmm. there was no concerns about privacy or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and, like, I, they had massive teams just tracing people, locking them indoors. If you broke those uh, quarantines, like, the fines and the penalties were very stiff. Mm-hmm.
2: So I think that was a lot
1: more effective than it ever was anywhere in Western Europe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important.
0: Yeah. And yet the virus did leave... Chinese borders, and I suppose by the evidence that we've seen uh, as far as its ability to blanket almost the entire earth, uh, it's perhaps reasonable to say that if the virus was not uh, spreading throughout China from its point of origin, alleged point of origin in Wuhan, uh, then there is also the possibility of a secondary infection from those traveling from outside China back into China. And so if that's true, unless people are being uh, locked down across the entire country in the same uh, rigorous uh, circumstances, then I cannot imagine that China would could consider itself immune from that secondary uh, Pullback, type of an infection vector.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think it doesn't. I think it's been quite strict, particularly tracking cases that are coming into the country from, um, people, well, Chinese people, Chinese citizens who have been living outside of the country, because um, that's their main fear now. Hmm. Um. Yeah. I okay. Mean,
2: oh, go, go on, go on, Jim.
1: What I, I just wanted to say, I, I, I certainly don't believe the Chinese numbers in any sense, but I think the overall narrative that it was contained within one region has is based in truth. To what extent? Like I think three thousand or four thousand deaths in Wuhan is definitely an underestimate.
2: Yeah, a country with a with a billion people.
1: Yeah, and what Wuhan is a city of fourteen million, Hubei's a province of sixty million. Yeah. That's like London and the UK essentially in terms yeah. of size. And they're quite uh,
0: attached and... to those numbers. I mm. mean Certainly, they've gone ahead and added 50% to that, but the delta between whatever their official estimate is and what the actual uh, infection rate or or death rate are, we might never know because certainly the outside world will never have access to the results of that surveillance and intelligence gathering by the Chinese government on its own uh, national victims. I think that... uh, well, I, I think that it's difficult to, difficult for me to take any of those numbers seriously in any way.
2: Right. Um, all right. Let's just stop that there for a second, because I don't want to make this all about um, the is child Lane theory. Because, yeah, we, we can basically accept that, yes, they are doing probably a lot of what they say they're doing. But on the other hand, their numbers and the information they're getting probably isn't really quite hitting the mark. Now, do we believe this K-Chris? Because when I got Christy to uh, translate one of the the videos after he was supposedly just being chased by the police, she said straight away he's lying, basically that it didn't sound like he was scared, it didn't sound like he was actually being chased by police. Mm. Is it likely or is it possible that he is trying to spread hysteria, that he is actually um, part of a a group of people, potentially part of um, a group related to Hong Kong struggle that's trying to show china in a very negative light to the rest of the world and the bbc have latched onto this um because it's not one of their it's not first-hand information through one of their their reports or one of their foreign correspondents that they've taken this guy's internet story and turned it into a story on the bbc so how could they guarantee its reliability
0: well i think that approaches a question a broader question as to the reliability of any given uh Independent source not affiliated directly with some type of a new news organization And I have not seen this uh, Set of videos specifically. I haven't seen anything to do with this channel. I do tend to believe in the validity of independent just a person with a with a uh, Video camera and a microphone and some type of an internet connection I tend to generally see that format as uh, indicative that there might be some more pure truth that cuts through a controlled narrative. Of course, your question still stands. Could it be a bad actor who is uh, playing that role only to discredit the Chinese and I guess the way that I would make that determination is I would de- I would measure the likelihood that that person is uh, is telling the truth against the likelihood of the organization working against them. In this case, the the media controls of the Chinese government. And I would have to give the benefit of the doubt to the individual.
1: Mm. Jim. Yeah for me, I also haven't seen the videos. I I think I read the article a couple of weeks ago on the BBC. Um, but yeah, so I think Conrad touched on a lot of points that I agree with. Um, I think it's impossible to prove without beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is telling the truth. Yes. No, sorry that he is. It's impossible to prove either way that he's, you know, being honest or not. But to me, it, Maybe it's my biases, but it sort of sits. It it falls into a narrative that I can believe.
2: Well, yeah, it it falls into a narrative that very strongly supports everything that every anti-Chinese person wants to believe as well. Yeah. Mm.
0: I suppose we would be able to cross-reference this if there were more examples of these independent journalism uh, journalists. We can call them perhaps uh, who might have either similar or totally contradictory stories. And maybe if we had a, a sample size of twenty or a hundred of them, we could scrape together a more likely outcome rather than relying on just the one.
2: But but I don't think you can anymore. This is this is what I want to get into. Like, how can we believe anything anymore? Like with the Cambridge Analytica uh, scandals, with like the uh, the Brexit referendum, with everything that's happening all around the world, we get so much chucked at us from different directions that I'm not even sure if um, if journalists have the, the the capacity to keep up with it all. Like, I remember a, a prominent one a while, uh, what, last year probably, the Pakistan-India border conflict they had. Um, and there was talks of a downed plane, prisoners um, being exchanged hands, fire, small firefights breaking out. And this one guy made an, an article basically debunking everything that was supposedly happening and being reported on around the world, showing that old pictures of downed planes were being used, old pictures of supposed conflicts that were happening were being used, that lies were just being told on both sides. And he questioned whether there was actual conflict at all and whether it was just a a media war that erupted. So without being there, we've not got a clue.
0: Well, there are, uh, if we're industrious, there certainly are sources of data that are independent from those transmitted uh, through the media, I remember there was a uh, there was a discussion around the middle of this pandemic a month ago, perhaps uh, a discussion about evidence of a large amount of burnt animal remains. Uh, the insinuation was, was that these were uh, burned bodies near the city yeah. of Wuhan, uh, far in excess of any of the death estimates, but. If that data was uh, was telling us something, and if the independent estimate that the release of those chemicals into the air, that's the way that it was uh, that it was found, uh, which were consistent with the burning of several thousands of human sized animals, um, if something like that were true, or or if it were a data point that could point us towards an alternative narrative, then that type of information certainly is available through uh, remote sensing technology, through satellite imagery, and could be as simple as reports of uh, a strange smell from far away. Now, maybe maybe China is so big that an event like that wouldn't be visible or uh, smellable from outside its own borders, but if an event like that took place in a smaller country uh, and you had reports from outside the direct influence of that country's government, then there are certainly um, sources of data that we can look to to try to make our own, to try to corroborate the official narrative.
2: Mm. But I think what still stands is that who has the capacity to do this now? I think before, maybe even 20, 30 years ago, Media sources were so powerful that they had the they had the manpower in almost every country in the world to be able to do cross checking of their own. Now I think people rely on so so much on uh, freelancers because media is being scaled back. Whether that's just my perception or not, I don't know. Um, I
1: wouldn't say scaled back It's the right word. I mean, it's just changed. I mean, you have the twenty four hour news cycle now rather than just an one hour bulletin at, the t- at six o'clock. Um, the way stories are created now is more is not so much about creating one decent story that sort of follows all the facts that you produce every morning for the newspaper or whatever. it's now about just following the story constantly and producing every single update and trying to be in the head of uh, any other competition. Um, so the whole journalist model in that sense is quite different.
2: But do you not think that drives a reliance on second-hand information.
0: Sometimes that secondhand information can be uh, more comprehensive and perhaps more reliable than the accounts of professional journalists. I mean, I'm only able to think right now of uh, accounts of war in the Middle East taken from fighters on the front lines who have a an internet-connected cell phone, and you can certainly uh, produce and distribute. Information with those tools now that can tell a much much clearer story than a war correspondent or uh, an Associated Press journalist embedded with uh, with a, a fighting unit, and if that's if that's the case in war, then it should stand that any any place on earth that some significant event is uh, is happening where there are people with cell phones we there's the possibility that there will be generated some reliable and telling uh, images and and video of that event
2: yeah yeah but it's been it's been shown for instance that that russia is is targeting currently um the west in general to politi- to politicize Uh, the coronavirus so they're creating fake posts to stir up conspiracy theories to stir up confusion for whatever particular reason whatever political gain they hope to get out of it so while yeah there is a a few people with cameras on the front line showing you what's actually happening on the ground there's also a lot of other background noise and i think people have the ability to filter that out Uh,
1: filter what out
2: the background
0: and you do think that people have that ability
2: no, don't. I don't oh, good any. Right.
0: <laughs> good, yeah. That's what the the prequel, to nineteen eighty four, said. <laughs> um, no, but that's a, certainly a good point. Is that we, because we have access to so many more data points, and we don't really have the ability to process all that much data as individuals, then that's certainly more more of an obscuring factor than just being blind to it. Uh, but and
2: more importantly, nobody fucking cares.
0: Well, yeah, nobody. All right. Okay. Well, nobody cares. They and, don't, do they? and maybe that's something that we should address before we get into deeper conspiratorial discussion is that not everybody is motivated to understand the objective truth. Uh, and certainly people are more entertained by wild speculation. I know I am.
1: Oh, give me wild <laughs> speculation any day it's
0: so much fun think- it's so much more fun and and it's powerful because even you as an individual and your ability to spread some kind of a wild story and freak out your aunt on facebook it's uh
2: that's a, it's a yeah. power trip yeah and like you said jim we, we like to follow uh we like to follow the narrative that supports our own understanding and ideals
1: oh of course why would you challenge yourself true hey, Conrad do you remember
2: i think we were talking about this last summer on the um when we're sitting up in a beer, when it was cheap beer all summer. I remember uh, that. On the in, yeah,
0: it's good. Every day in the neighborhood. Well, well exceptionally no, it, cheap beer.
2: The Three Sisters, it was... Oh, how much was it? One euro fifty for a bowl. Yeah, oh, it was well,
0: almost nothing. And it was very strong beer. Yeah. It was a terrible decision to daydream oh, no. that way.
1: Was it... Um, oh, I, what am I trying to say here? It was like... Uh,
2: the Three Sisters?
1: No, 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 no. Um... You bought a beer, but you didn't know what kind of beer you would get. What yes. The it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah,
2: like
0: the mystery, mystery bottles. Bucket.
1: The mystery beer, yes. And
0: yeah. they were all 14%, and they taste like motor oil, but... Um, yeah. Who cares? Coffee one. Passed. Yeah, oh. it was brilliant.
1: Um,
2: but anyway, we I'm pretty sure that we discussed the case of that guy um, who started a campaign about child soldiers <sighs> yeah, about 10 years ago or whatever. And this is what started it all for me, because he starts putting up all this stuff and he creates this little uh, charity and it goes huge and suddenly every fucker in the world is talking about how child soldiers are happening everywhere and it's so bad, what's happening in Africa. And it was like somebody, it was like a pandemic. It was like something had only just happened Hmm. because they'd read about it for the first time. And it ended up with that guy getting so overwhelmed with everything that was happening and how fast his cause was growing that he ended up going mental and running down the side of a motorway naked. Because he just lost the plot. No, That's right. Go on your bus, <laughs> like, like what? Got on the bus?
1: Have they gone their bus when you're coming back from, in, uh, from? Oh yeah, yeah. He
2: wasn't. Guess? No, it was something else. He was on. That
0: was a couple of nutballs, but yeah, I, I am familiar with that. And I, they actually did a presentation in my high school that was around the time that I was about to graduate, and uh, we all got caught up, caught up in it. It was a sensational story at the time, and well, you know, we served
2: American. An American term. Newsflash, Conrad. Child soldiers still exist. Yes. Why does nobody care anymore?
0: Well, he he did exactly what he wanted to, and he made that one specific warlord, Joseph Coney, into a household name. Now, whether he was specifically involved in the exact activities that were outlined in the in the movie or not, those details are fuzzy. Certainly, the narrative that they created lacked some accuracy, as seen after the fact. Uh, but maybe that's what works for Americans is to have a big bad guy like in a movie and to have the implication that by some money or action or dancing or sleeping outside the way that they recommended it, that we can do something. posting things to... on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Slacktivism, it, it's it's true that we're attracted to easy solutions. We always have been. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Hold on. Were you about to say slacktivism then? Yeah, that's what I said. That's brilliant. No, oh,
0: I've I didn't up it. Go ahead, James.
1: I was just going to say, Conrad and I seem to talk about South Park, or more, I talk about South Park to Conrad. <laughs> um, and Chris, have you seen the episode? I don't know if you will, have Conrad. Um, mm-hmm. with they all start wearing bracelets. Yes, sort of.
0: the the, the Yeah, yeah, I think so.
1: And I don't know if this never came to New Zealand. I'm not sure if it was an actual trend anywhere else, but people would wear bracelets at least in South Park. Um, to sort of make them self, to identify themselves with certain causes, mm-hmm. and to make it seem like uh, like they care, when in reality they just wanted to be seen to care rather than actually care. Yeah, I
2: yeah, haven't. yeah. Care just enough to spend a euro or a dollar on a bracelet. You yep.
0: know, it was fashionable. It was
2: the right color. Yeah.
0: And it started with Lance Armstrong and with his uh, cancer oh, charity. No, that was- yeah, well, yeah. History has shown us that uh, that that guy wasn't the most uh, the, the most trustworthy individual. Though it's possible that some of that money went to cancer research, which would be the best outcome.
2: And but it's it's possible that everyone in cycling is using drugs.
0: Oh, that part I'm sure of. Of course, I mean, I would say that anybody who stands to gain financially from their athletic performance has a huge incentive to use uh, PEDs. But but I think he he, was
2: scapegoated massively.
1: Yeah, because I don't know if you guys have seen that documentary Icarus. Mm, No, it's about the Russian state-sponsored doping program. Um,
2: Okay,
1: that basically had been running unabridged since the collapse of the Soviet Union, Mm -hmm. Um, to the point. Sorry, excuse me, where. Um, the Russian curling team in two thousand and fourteen Sochi was caught doping. And if, you, if your curling team is doping, I'm, I'm quite happy to say everyone is doping in your team.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that's just that there is such pressure. Not to say that it's morally. I mean, I have no moral stake in uh, in the use of performance enhancing drugs. Uh, but certainly, if your national pride or money or uh, renown or anything is on the line then yeah somebody's somebody's going to dope and everyone else will be at a disadvantage if they don't follow along with them but in the case of Lance Armstrong and the Livestrong bracelets he was very much built up as a central figure of this issue and that's what got it to take off because we could look at him and his uh and his achievements and and his unique uh circumstances and it really kind of if you can follow somebody, it makes the cause, the cause of spending a dollar on a jelly bracelet, uh, a lot easier to justify to yourself. Yes,
1: uh, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. but it's still a lot of crap.
0: Well, yeah, we've seen that. I mean, most things are. <laughs> and I just to just to kind of bring it back to uh, to some semblance of what we'd been talking about earlier. Uh, and speaking of complete loads of crap. Uh, I had been particularly interested in the convergence of these two massive conspiracy theories of the uh, coronavirus and of 5G wireless reception.
2: Yeah, that's very interesting, because they've been attacked, well, in the Netherlands for sure, in the UK, I imagine, definitely in the US.
1: Fiji. In Fiji? Yep. And there's no 5G and 3G, but they were still being attacked for putting up 5G.
0: Well, exactly. <laughs> you can't put up a, a, a flagpole without... Well, but and I would say that's because the people who are afraid of 5G are the same people who were afraid of 4G LTE, except now they're a little faster. And they were the same people who were afraid of Wi-Fi and the same people who were afraid of the telephone. Um uh, and just any, any visible advancement in technology is going to bring out these Luddites, and they're going to ascribe everything from uh, cancer to having your brain baked like a potato in your head as you sleep. Uh, and it's very easy for someone who subscribes to that kind of thinking to attach it to any other conspiracy theory. And why, why would somebody limit themselves to only one I mean the the amount of fun that it is to believe in in magical thinking. You know, why wouldn't you believe that that Bigfoot married Elvis and that uh Tupac Shakur uh, was at their wedding? It's Yeah. And and for that matter, yeah, why Tupac's limit yourself dead, but... to yeah, to being afraid of 5G? You know, there's so many other you know, Bluetooth is everywhere. What about what are you going to do? You're going to like rip the copper wiring out of your out of your house too to to keep it from to keep yourself safe.
1: Your Wi-Fi. But
2: is it more dangerous that this that this is being uh, blown up because 5G is Chinese? Is it more dangerous that there's no distinction between a Chinese company and the Chinese state, between Chinese media, and the, between Chinese products and the Chinese state? Does that make it more terrifying for people? Like that a, a nuclear power plant has to be put on hold in the UK because it's a Chinese company that's doing it and they can't be sure whether or not the state of China has direct access to this uh, facility. Is that not reason to be scared? James, I'll let you start.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think it is. Particularly uh, in an era where great power competition is becoming more pronounced. Um, I think particularly communications, networks, energy grids, um, things that are of vital strategic importance. Um, if they're exposed, people will be scared if they're exposed to um, outside influence, right?
2: Well, outside influence, as long as it's not European and white.
0: Well, let's let's say we can specify that China has already been caught building backends to several of its state-owned, produced uh, telecommunications networks, so, talking specifically of... The telecom system within the African Union uh, headquarters building, which was found to be completely bugged with uh, access directly to Chinese servers, for example, and the
2: uh, yeah, but but the West invented spying.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sun Tzu had a great yeah. bit about spying in his book, and I don't think he was too far Western.
2: But... Oh, okay, well, I, right. I the that's the splitting during the Cold. Like I, I don't think anyone has the right to point at any other country, and be like, "Oh, you're you're uh, you're reading our emails." Who's got the biggest spy surveillance network in the entire world is well, arguably the United States. Well, the farest reach, anyway.
0: Sure, and so, you know we can't oh. dis- we certainly can't discount cooperation between any given state and industries that are uh, endemic to that state. Though in the case of China. There is no separation, and every every industry does always inherently have direct ties to the Communist Party. So that's I'm not saying that that's significantly different. I am saying that that is a unique uh, a unique condition among relationships between government and private enterprise uh, around the world.
1: Yep, yeah, I think mean, it's hard to argue with.
0: And uh, I wouldn't blame China for refusing an AT and uh, telecom system within their government buildings, for example, for the same reasons. Because if they're uncomfortable with the idea of a foreign, for such a such a, a valuable uh, infrastructure, if they're not comfortable having a foreign-owned company a- administer it, then they certainly have their own options to rely on. Um, that said, I think it,
2: Go ahead. is it a case of of China being able to, um. To produce better technology for a cheaper price, or is it a case of China using its uh, clout on the global economic markets to to force countries or to pressure countries to take their technology in certain places?
1: I think it'd be hard pressed to say that the EU was pressure, coerced to take Chinese technology, wouldn't you? I mean, in a smaller uh, states I, so I probably wouldn't argue with, but the EU should be in theory at least powerful enough to sort of resist that mm-hmm.
2: well yeah well whereas um, is it trying to any is China building anything in germany or any of the bigger eu states they're doing are they having similar problems there with 5g networks and so on
1: what do you mean by similar problems
2: well similar nutters going around attacking 5g uh, pylons made by huawei
1: i'm not sure if they're being attacked the german Secret Service has been uh, very vocal in its opposition to having Chinese equipment being used in, its, uh, in the nation's telecommunication networks. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I used to, I actually made my career so far in the telecom industry. I worked in uh, subsea uh, telecommunication networks and what I picked up during my time there was that there are really only a small group of corporations with the capability to build and administer these giant telecom networks. And a significant portion of that infrastructure is Chinese. And so besides the U if we discount the US and China, which Mm -hmm. I think it might be fair to do if we're speaking about the European Union, there may only be one, perhaps two excuse me, European corporations that have the capability to build these and to administer them. And so that really limits your choice. Because if you're Liechtenstein, you don't have a company big enough to to even connect your territory to the rest of... Uh, to the to your neighbors. And the one uh, French telecom that at least had some uh, capability in the past to do something like this, Alcatel-Laurent, uh, I'm not sure if they're still in that game or if they've sold off that business unit and are focusing on, uh, on other, uh, areas of business. So if, if that leaves only Huawei, if you're going to make me pronounce it wrong and, uh, one or two corporations in the United States, then there's, there isn't that much choice.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You're the stuck
0: it up and
2: give away. Oh, go on, Jim.
1: I was going to say, is it essentially what Japan said in the sense that they haven't looked at investing in five G so much? It's not being rolled out there, from what I understand.
2: It's not; they're not interested at all.
1: Well, I think they're interested, but they haven't. It's not being rolled out, and Japan's normally, uh, well, at least in my mind, Japan's a place or an early adapter of new technology.
0: Hmm. Though they weren't the originator of of uh, much of this.
1: No, but, but my point is that. If you say that there's very few corporations um, or states that have the capacity to build the infrastructure and Japan doesn't have the capacity, they don't want to rely on China to do it. So then the option becomes don't do it. That's true. That's
0: fair.
2: Is anyone else under the opinion that it's just fast enough? Well, no. I, uh, <laughs> well. How fast do you need it? The, the, the speeds of 5G are unreal.
0: Maybe let me put it this way or based on chatter that I heard back at work, it's that the two industries that are pushing faster and faster speeds and a more bandwidth around the world are banking and pornography. Mm. And in both of those cases, there is no speed that is fast enough. You always want more faster.
2: More faster. I mean
0: with banking, me it's more many, of that
2: faster.
1: Banking is only digits that you're transferring, right? One, yeah, but two, you're... Uh,
0: your Uh, orders to buy or sell come in in order of when they're received and they're executed at those prices and so if you're ordering with enough volume then a fraction of a fraction of a second could mean significant uh percentage yeah right
1: okay so when you say banking you mean finance as a whole yeah stock
0: exchanges yeah, exactly, yeah. international finance is what we were we were uh, talking about back at work, because these uh, these signals do travel uh, under the oceans, and they're meant to influence stock exchanges in New York and London and in Asia and, and elsewhere in the world uh, quicker than other signals provided by other people.
1: How much clout does the porn lobby have in the U.S.?
0: That's a good question. Um, as what far as affecting think? politics, maybe not all that much, but uh, as far as influencing consumer decision-making, significantly.
1: Yeah. just I mean, the way you said it, I'm not sure if you meant it, but it sort of conflated finance as Wall Street and the porn industry as having the same sort of capabilities as the lobby. Yeah, those so are quite the case.
0: Well, they they have... They have the capability to lobby consortia of tech companies because the way that these big international um, telecommunications grids are built is they're usually a group effort by some of the big multi-billion dollar tech companies without any uh, any assistance from world governments because primarily these systems connect into states that are independent from each other and across the ocean. And they pass signal not only from the states to which they're connected, but further inland. So it's a very, it's a very democratic, uh, kind of a, a system of intent and whoever's willing to pay for that bandwidth to increase their profit margins by connecting more users at a quicker rate. They're the ones who are building and increasing capacity and the the old joke, or maybe not so much of a joke, was that it's it's uh, motivated by pornography on oh, most things. well, if you think about it, it's a, you know, it represents a basic need. We don't have to talk about this too much.
1: <laughs> no, really down.
0: I mean, I know it's an interesting idea, and I kind of threw it in as a as an afterthought, but uh, but we could just let that one percolate for a little bit, perhaps. And maybe talk a little bit more about technophobia
2: Say again. um I said you love trying to keep this p g thirteen
0: well, I don't know who's watching this. That's all
2: <laughs> I thought the whole the whole point of a uh, of a podcast or recording your own stuff is that there's no censorship
0: wow, exactly no censorship no censorship but self censorship
2: uh, Jesus,
0: it's kind of censorship. <laughs>
2: Christian preacher. It's kind of um, what, what it? speak thought. What do they call it in, uh, speech thought? Is it in 84
1: What did they? Call it?
2: Something like that, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was ten years ago. I read that book, so
2: same, same particular words which kind of towed the party line. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Um.
2: Right. So, what what did you want to go on to?
0: Well, I wanted to talk, I guess, a little bit more about, you know, people's natural proclivity towards fear of the unknown and also how much fun it is to play with, believe in, and explore uh, conspiracy theories. I disagree
1: with that last part. Uh, I was reading conspiracy theories and watching videos for the last 40 minutes before coming onto this call, and it just depressed me.
0: Oh, come on. You must not have been (laughs) watching the right shows.
1: No, I... I agree with George Carlin when he said, uh, imagine how stupid the average person is, and then remember that half are stupider than that.
0: Uh, That was a wise dude. Um, But also, I mean, people are are inclined to believe the information that's presented to them. That's also true.
1: Yeah. It was just, I found it frustrating. Um, I found this one blog, and this woman felt like she cracked the case of what was really happening behind coronavirus, and that was that uh, coronavirus didn't really exist. The tests were a cover to collect DNA from every single person in the world and then use that DNA in a database to track people, things like that. But a whole sort of logic rested on the fact that um, the more we test, the more we find uh, coronavirus cases. So therefore, in her mind... It was the tests that were, you know, the first link of causality.
0: Kind of like a Soylent Green is right. People kind of a revelation for her there. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
0: And she'll probably <laughs> never be shaken of that belief because, you know, more tests, bigger number, more infected, known. So can't argue with that.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that sound logic, right? But it doesn't even have to be this. Like, that's well thought
2: through. Isn't in it? her mind, I'm not saying it's it's actually logical, it's ridiculous. But in her mind, she's done research and she's cracked something. What I find more ridiculous is people like my mother, who for no apparent reason is adamant that nobody's ever been on the moon. For no, she, she knows nothing about space travel. She knows nothing about... Um, well, she was only about five or six when it happened. She knows nothing about the, the Cold War space race, about the fact that even... America's biggest enemy, the Russians, didn't even deny it.
1: Not but only did s- they not deny it, they actually confirmed it.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But for yeah. some reason, whenever you bring it up, she is adamant that it hasn't happened. You know, Neil
0: Armstrong was, would...
2: For no
1: particular reason.
0: Neil Armstrong punched a guy for saying that to him.
1: Was it Neil Armstrong or Buzz Aldrin?
0: Alright, I don't want to slander. Maybe it's because I was thinking about Lance Armstrong. I don't think he hit anybody. Uh, one of those guys. Maybe it was Buzz.
1: Fear play to them. I, it would be hard not to, I think. Yeah, Nothing especially if he mind. did it. <laughs> but.
0: Yeah. I mean, if I it was be... just a sound stage, then they probably wouldn't feel so strongly about it after so many years. Probably
1: not. I, remember... go-
2: oh, on, I was just going to say, I remember uh, Brian Cox discussing the, uh, the the period between Kennedy's speech. I can't remember what the speech is called, about when they, they decided they're going to go to the moon. And, uh, you know, he said... Um, and people ask me why we want to go to the moon. We want to go because it's there. You that speech. Yeah. Um, and then I think there was, how many years between that that speech and them actually getting there? It was six years or something, wasn't it, I think? And he said that basically that, that six or nine year gap between that, that first speech and them getting to the moon, never in the history of technology has anything so great ever been achieved. He says that they were so, so far away when that speech was, was written that nobody thought it was ever possible. And the fact that they managed to do it is, is yeah, he said it's the greatest technological achievement. And he, yeah, I, I kind of
1: trust that guy. Wait, which guy do you trust? Brian Cox. Okay, yeah. yeah not sure. not yeah. Kennedy. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure he was dead when they, uh, when they landed on the line. Oh, oh
2: yeah, yeah, he's long gone, mate. Um,
1: yeah. Um, I remember living with someone back in New Zealand years ago, and she was also adamantly convinced that we'd never been to the moon, and we, we talked about it. You know, there's those. I think it was MythBusters did the, mm. the, you know, sort of explanation of why all the why all the evidence does stack up. And I showed her that, and then she I asked her like, what, "What what's your reason for believing they never stepped on the moon?" And she's like, "Oh, if you watch them walk on the moon, it just doesn't look like they're walking on the moon." Yeah. <laughs>
2: Nah, I can't yeah, argue with that. that. I mean ever, but nobody has ever done it before, so
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, but it wouldn't look like that. Yeah, presumably not. Right. It'd be like a cartoon more, in her mind.
2: <laughs> but it's just like that that flat Earth documentary. Whenever they the <laughs> the there was that so called pseudo scientist there who was uh he was proving himself wrong time and time again. <laughs> but he but he just kept moving the goalposts and thinking, oh well. This test is obviously wrong. What we're going to have to do next is, is test this. And again, he's proven himself wrong, but, but blamed it on some other reason. That's when he's shining the laser, he says, if I shine this laser, because the Earth's flat, it's going to hit bang. And then he shined the laser and he goes, oh man, it's it's six foot too high.
1: Exactly where because it would be just, if Earth was round.
2: <laughs> yeah, he goes, oh, we're going to have to figure out a way to, uh, to solve this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Was that the guy who launched himself into a rocket?
1: No, different
0: guy. Another that, flat earth kind of a guy?
2: No, that wasn't a flat earther. I heard um, Bill Burr talking about this. Uh-huh. And he was saying, that. If, well, I think he was funded by a flat earther. But really, he wasn't a flat earther. I think he just wanted to build a rocket. Well, so I think can you he, he him? passed himself off as a, a flat earther and then built his own rocket.
0: And then <laughs> launched himself into the earth.
2: Yeah, he died, didn't
0: he? Yeah, he died. That's well, on the
2: way up or down.
0: Well, well I mean, I, I imagine you don't die until you hit something, but
1: uh... he did do it once successfully. I think that's worth pointing out. All right, well, we'll chalk that one up. Successfully
2: or one. not, he got up there. Like, maybe maybe he didn't figure out how to do reentry, but it was a one-man mission. I mean, pass off to him. All
0: right, that's pretty impressive. So you know, he was very convinced of whatever it was that he believed, that he was certainly willing to risk his life and lose his life ultimately for it. Um, and I believe True that, in, you know, anybody that believes it, anybody that that really connects with these types of conspiracy theories, probably believes it to that same degree. They're just less willing to put themselves on the line to prove it. Well, able. Mm. Wow, well, don't have the means to build a rocket every time.
1: Well, they know how.
2: Well, I met a guy on the uh, on the base of Mount Ararat, Ararat who was searching for Noah's Ark. Uh, well, I haven't heard this story before. Oh, uh, you not. Know, Oh, I've got many stories, Jim.
1: Yeah, I know. Sometimes it feels like they're made up.
2: <laughs> no, this one isn't. I don't think any of them are actually. Um, but yeah, an American guy funded by some group in some Christian group in America searching for Noah's Ark because that's believed to be the resting place of it. Um, and he was on his third trip there. And the only way you can get up Ararat from the the Turkish side is by special arrangement. Um, usually to do these kind of search missions, but that in itself is absolutely ridiculous. That that that's that's a, a huge conspiracy theory that that's even even there. But I, I don't know who's who's buying
1: into it. Well, it goes beyond conspiracy theory, doesn't it? It's like a
2: biblical. I mean,
0: what what does he think he's going to do if he finds it? But that that's not the that's not the the biggest question, I suppose.
2: How many thousands of years ago is it? Three, four. Oof. If True. if well let. Let's say it was a historical event. We're well, going back to the very start of humanity. What is he expecting to find?
1: Well, well, at least in his case, he only has to go back 6,000 years in that case. Exactly. It makes
0: it easier. No, but I guess he probably he probably watched Indiana Jones and he has an idea that he's going to find this big golden box and he better not open it. <laughs> um, or he likes climbing that mountain and he found a way to do it for
1: free. Yeah, maybe he's the same as the rocket guy. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, valid point. Hats off to him. Hmm.
1: I don't know and why I mean, he'd be telling some random British guy at the, at the base of the mountain that that was the case. Ah, uh, yeah. He had,
2: the, he had this, this, uh, the look of a crazed fanatic in his eye.
1: In a pamphlet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but now Jim and I are going to start telling that story whenever we're in a bar talking to some strangers. Like, oh, what are you doing? Well, you you might not believe me if I tell you, but we're actually looking for, uh, for the Ark of the Covenant. I don't know if you saw Indiana Jones. <laughs> It's a lovely story. It left an impression on you.
2: Yeah, you you, you know what? You never know um, who's who's making this stuff up. I uh, I remember talking to a Kiwi guy and I I was young, I was impressionable, and it wasn't you, Jim. And <laughs> I was well gone, and he was telling me stories for hours about him being a, a pilot, about him being doing some like espionage and all sorts of he had me hook, line, and sinker. Thought about it afterwards and thought maybe he was talking shit, but still.
1: For years, years I was retelling his oh, stories. so generally it was years. Well, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. No, it, it was years. It's only very recently that I thought, actually, I thought that guy was just bullshitting. You
1: know what I've they say,
2: done a similar thing.
0: You know what they say about people in the uh, espionage industry is they like to tell strangers all about it every time they can. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great topic of conversation. Yeah.
2: No well, I you, if his uh if his uh, facts about turbulence are right, then I'll give him some credibility. He was arguing that a plane can't come down in turbulence.
0: Is that like how dogs can't look
1: up? <laughs> dogs can't look backwards. Uh, well, yeah. well, we'll never know. Well, dogs can't look
0: I think that it sounds like that guy liked you. He was just trying to spin a couple stories, get a couple drinks out of you, perhaps, but... Um... I didn't buy him a drink. What did he take me for? Well, he was—he tried real hard.
1: Maybe he got him <sighs> for something else.
0: Oh, maybe. Kept
2: licking his lips. <laughs> That's a tell.
0: That's that high altitude. Uh, you know, it's many years of pilot You get those dry lips.
2: <laughs> Constantly chapped. <laughs> um,
0: right, yeah, yeah. But people love stories. You know, we love, we really love telling each other stories of, of, uh, bullshit artists that we've run into in bars or at the bottoms of, uh, of mountains. And, um, and I think that, that that, kind of desire in our minds is maybe what leads us to give too much credence to these often cockamamie and, and partially baked, if at all, uh, theories about the world.
2: Is that because our brains make it easier to understand? Is that because we've got—I um, don't know—an affinity to folk tales, to, to just telling these stories just for the crack, and it turns into reality, or what is it?
0: That's a—that's a very interesting question, and we should get somebody on the show who knows about more about how the brain works and how it uh, constructs narratives to to suit its own uh, worldview. But I can say that my theory since I've been thinking about that for the last three seconds is that we're socialized <laughs> into believing tales in that the way that we exchange information with each other historically is to put it in the form of some kind of a uh, of some kind of a tale perhaps something that's meant to inform or inspire fear or just carry culture through it and because we grow up in that way and that's just about universal perhaps that's why we're attracted to information that's packaged in that way even into adulthood
2: mm, i can buy into that see and i just
0: made that up <laughs> that just about proves it
2: that proves it <laughs> yeah. nail on this
1: it's bad that the theory you just made up has been proven in less than 30 seconds
2: I, I, yeah, that's,
0: I, I wouldn't throw the word genius around, but...
1: Uh, do you want to start a new research project? Because that could be it.
0: That, that might be the last uh, last thing I ever want to do, but somebody should look into it.
2: Oh, I, bet, I bet some, uh, some psychologist of some kind, or... Yeah.
0: Some poor, half-drunk anthropology student
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um... Well, I've got one more thing on my list. If, if we're taking a pass on on the conspiracy theories for a second, I'm, I'm just getting the beer out of the fridge. She sure. Um, what I when I was uh, looking at different stuff earlier, what I wanted to know was, will this current crisis that we're under have a major effect on on civil liberties around the world? Because I was thinking about the the, the last thing with the war on terror and the Iraq war and everything that happened there and how governments all over the world use that as an excuse to take away liberties from certain groups could the same thing or has the same thing already, well it has already happened here in certain countries with uh, certain media restrictions and uh, appropriation of of, uh, masks, the US stole a lot of German masks didn't they at a a seaport because they, they said it was for national security reasons
1: not leave, not allowed to leave your house.
2: Yeah, but the, well, I'm talking it's about a civil permanent. liberty, isn't it? It is a civil liberty. Um, in Scotland, I don't think you should be allowed any liberties. Here in the free in the free lands, we can do whatever we want.
1: Uh, but
2: do you think there will there, will there be permanent repercussions from this? Will certain groups be targeted? A lot of black people have been uh, attacked and. Almost booted out into well, booted out onto the streets in uh, in China. Um, the state saying that they're not being, well, they they're known for carrying diseases. Uh, they've been allowed them to, uh, sorry, landlords have been kicking them on the streets. Mm. Uh, they had visas denied for re-entry if they wanted to come back. So r- right there and then, the people have used this crisis to probably get rid of a problem that they thought was growing in a certain area of China. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see more of this?
0: I think those are two different questions, but I think that the answer to them is both yes. uh, (laughs) That um, Whenever there's a power struggle between the desire for a government to implement surveillance measures and for its uh, citizenry to reject those surveillance measures... The simple answer is to leverage some type of a catastrophe. This certainly seems to qualify. Uh, and it would be difficult for me to imagine that there would be no lasting effect on, uh, on society and surveillance as, as a result of this. Um, I also agree that every cultural group or every majority with its eyes on uh, the minority groups around it, is going to use this and any other tragedy to further uh, victimize those minorities. And you can see it, as you mentioned, in China and the United States, that uh, ethnic minorities are automatically presupposed to be uh, involved with the spread or proliferation of the the coronavirus. And I think where that's a little bit funnier, if it's funny at all, is where you see more difficult to believe and uh, farther from any kind of evidence-based blame-slinging. So, for example, the Iranian uh, state news agency blamed Israel for developing the virus, Uh, of course. India blamed its Muslim minorities for uh, infecting the nation. And I believe that you could see this type of behavior just about anywhere where there are two groups that don't like each other.
2: The, the Dutch uh, blamed the Belgians.
0: Yeah. What, what else is new? <laughs> you yeah. know what? We've been talking about a lot of crazy conspiracy theories, but that one starts to, starts to seem a little bit uh, a little bit truer to me
1: i just want to go back if we can no um it, about the point particularly around immigration um i think it's interesting in the sense that uh, particularly in the us and the uk where you have uh, governments who were sort of elected or not sort of elected in some well, in both <laughs> cases elected because of uh, fears around immigration real or perceived um, and then it turns out most of their foods a uh, big chunk of their food supply it's quite dependent on, in the US's case, illegal immigration, particularly in California, uh, to the point where the authorities in California are handing out papers to make sure that their uh, immigrants aren't deported by ICE because they're essential workers now, not just a problem. They actually, mm. some of the people keeping the system and the population fed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same is true to an extent in the UK where they've had to fly in Romanian uh, fruit pickers and other farm workers to make sure the crops don't go spoiled or mm-hmm. will rotten in, in the field so i think that's a really interesting uh, part of this crisis and will have strange effects after this as well
2: mm. yeah but the, the, those crops are going to be picked by uh the elderly the long-term sick and the recently graduated so i i was told Jim. so I, I wouldn't worry about the uh, the farming industry that doesn't, doesn't sound effective hot. Why there's, there's I, I, I'm sure I heard the sixteen million or six million uh, people who who just they've slipped through the net. You know? Yeah, they can work, but they can't work. They're, they're not working. Graduates, Crazy. you said. <laughs> what do yeah, they study? International relations. Oof. Yeah. Uh, we'll s-
0: arts degrees. <laughs> I think we'll starve. <laughs> no, we should be in the fields picking fruit. Yeah, we do. Sounds kind of nice. Be rather but, there than stuck inside. To be mo- uh, perfectly honest with you. But, I mean, it's also going to have effects on global supply chains, and that's not not strictly uh, food, but it certainly includes food, where any nation who primarily imports, given the fact that even within Europe there have been stringent border controls, simply societies are going to have to rethink completely externalizing their production.
1: Go back to the the world where a pineapple was $8,000 $8,000 or whatever it was in the 1700s. Yeah.
2: Bringing your pineapple to a party. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or, you know, people
0: are just going to be more reliant on food that grows in their region, or at least there's going to be that fear of the disappearance of a supply chain.
2: But uh, again, like our generation always does, we can only blame our parents. Easily. They, they, they've had it too good. It's their fault that everything became available. So yeah, scaly it back.
0: Yeah, but now that we've got these 5G systems, we've got to be able to take advantage of them. I mean, you can't be sitting around picking tomatoes.
1: Well, maybe it's old people who are scared and that's why they're trying to burn down the 5G towers. That could be a new conspiracy theory, actually.
2: There you go. I actually thought about burning down 5G burning down a tower. Are these are, uh, are we talking, you know, wooden, wooden pylons?
0: Yeah, wooden 5G towers. You know.
2: Oh. Well, how how hot is this fire getting that it's burning steel?
0: Oh, th- <laughs> Speaking you know, of conspiracy that, that's theories, just, uh, that's not
2: just Tom and Jim going and, and getting two sticks together and burning one of these down, is it? That that's like uh, yeah, it's a, it's a serious weapon.
0: Well, uh, all right, I'm not sure how. In the cases that people are attacking uh, this type of infrastructure, most of these are are made of metal and. Contain a bundle of wires running up through them. So no, they're not particularly flammable Um, That's to say that that, uh, You can pull a tower down or you can slash the operating wiring But these aren't telephone poles the way that we grew up with. They're not uh, like ship mast style uh, wooden poles that said, I mean, it's quite easy to destroy sophisticated technology if someone's inclined to do so,
2: well, yeah, you can just throw a car into it,
1: or, or apparently set her on fire.
2: Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah that, thats it. The fire story doesn't really make sense to
1: me. I'd have to I'd
2: have to hear more
0: about that.
1: Well, I like how uh, you kind of alluded to it, Conrad, and then dropped it completely. The ultimate conspiracy theory.
0: Oh, let's 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 perhaps save that one for another episode. I don't know if we're ready to tackle that one on the show. <laughs> well, well, that one. Uh, just don't worry about it. Don't worry about that
2: one. Oh, how do you... <laughs>
0: no, no, no. Did that's that's a that's a, that's, that's a big discussion. We'll just uh, we'll just quietly move on. Um, oh, yeah, it sounds like we're little... taking
1: Chris kicking and screaming with us, but
0: <laughs> that's all right. He doesn't get it anyway. It's
2: um, oh, <laughs> nonsense. God. you're you're a hooker standing at the window and not letting me go inside. Uh,
0: <laughs> experience with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, be rejected by a few of them. Do that. they're picky, to my understanding.
2: So oh, What was this? Oh, sorry,
0: this theory. No, 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 no. We'll, we're we're going to talk about something else now. Why? Um,
2: well, I'm going now. Can't this just be a teaser for for next time?
0: Well, we can wrap it up perhaps, but we're,
2: we're not talking about this next time. <laughs> Jim, go on. Don't let Conrad. Uh, don't let dictator Comrade, tell you what to do.
1: No, I'm definitely on his side on this one.
2: So you guys can know about something, but I can't for no apparent reason. Yeah,
0: well, Lots isn't that the fun part of it? You know, isn't that the uh, the idea behind?
1: If you'd been quick and smart enough, you would have caught on as well.
0: Anyways, can we agree, perhaps, that it is a little bit fun to engage in some magical thinking and that perhaps sometimes that, engage- that uh, includes conspiratorial uh, worldviews? I know that despite how... Insane, it appears. I have a great time watching something like an Alex Jones on on YouTube, that that type of that presentation is gripping, even if the content is uh, completely devoid of, of uh, contact with reality.
1: <laughs> he often looks like he's going to explode with anger. He's a, a great storyteller. Well, you can get his... Um, oh, what do he sell... Some sort of muscle growth it wasn't quite oh, a protein pff- powder that just apparently made you orange.
0: He sells a lot and he sells a lot of different pills. I, I'm assured that they're all critically important, but uh, <laughs> I couldn't tell you what's in them.
1: I wouldn't give them to my worst enemy.
0: <laughs> That's what the globalists sure. are...
2: Uh... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm not, I'm not sure I enjoy looking into conspiracy theories. I can understand how they could grip people but personally i get too frustrated with with how ridiculous these things are and and i just end up trying to pick, trying to pick holes in
1: everything well, i'm what? afraid that i watch watch the videos and end up laughing and that pushes these people further into their conspiracy theories because they feel like they're not being taken seriously yeah um because i find it hard to take them seriously sometimes
2: <laughs>
0: but it's a bit of an anti-logical perspective that they might hold a lot of the time where they can't be rationed into abandoning their conclusions and of course laughing at them uh while it might be fun is certainly not going to change their minds either it's it's a lose lose there's a there's no there's no victory there's no evidence that you can show somebody that would nece- that would uh cause them to shake these types of uh, conclusions from themselves
2: mm.
1: yeah
0: but what you can do if you're quick is you can hit them with one level deeper, one conspiracy just a little bit more bizarre and, and disconnected, and watch to see if they quickly adapt to it or if they start to consider They're thinking maybe this is a little bit beyond.
1: Well, In the sense that if someone says, I don't believe in the moon landing, and you say, that's strange. You oh, yeah, the, the mole moon?
0: people, the, the lizard men covered that one up. I saw it. I saw the, the footage. I got the tape, Universal Studios.
1: Uh, see, I was going in different directions. I just d- deny that there is a moon. There's a moon at all. <laughs> That's
0: perfect. You're getting it. You're understanding exactly what uh, you're understanding the point, And I encourage you to engage in this way in the future with them.
2: Yeah. See, what would be fantastic to listen to is somebody who has a, a, a good theory about nine eleven, and someone has about what about the moon landings, but they both disbelieve the other one's uh, viewpoint.
0: You know but we can. Both
2: uh, intelligent enough to, to have this conversation.
0: Maybe we can frame a show around that—a <laughs> conspiratorial debate show. We're going to need to lay a little bit of the groundwork for that one, but I think that uh, I think that that one's perhaps for a future episode.
1: Yep. And then on that note, can I deliver the closing lines? Happy to. The moon landing never happened. Nine eleven was an inside job, and vaccines cause autism.